0: And now, here's the latest Team Building
1: Podcast. All right. Welcome, everybody, to the latest edition of the Team Building Podcast. I am Matt Johnson. I've got Jeff Cohn with me, and it's just the two of us. We are Sam's guest today. So we're going to have a fun, fun discussion where I'm going to yell at Jeff about all of his mistakes. Um, No, actually, Jeff is going (laughs) to yell at himself. So uh, this is all about the top five uh, biggest mistakes that Jeff made in building out um, his real estate team. And and we'll get into a little bit of just the, the life. Uh, so not just about the team, but just more wealth building and, and lifestyle and stuff like that. So we've got a lot of cool stuff to get into. So first of all, it's been a while, I think. It's been like three or four weeks
0: since we've been on Couple the podcast. Weeks, I miss yes. you, man. Hey, Matt. What's going on, man? I'm super <laughs> pumped. Um, I think this is going to be a really fun topic. A lot of high Ds, successful guys, successful realtors want to get on and brag about all the things they've done right. We thought it'd be interesting to get on today and humbly share all of the mistakes I've made. It's kind of an interesting spot in my career because I've been licensed now over 10 years, I've had my team for over five years, and so now I'm looking back at 36, I got licensed at like 25, and I'm looking back now I'm almost 36 in November, and thinking to myself, how could I have done things differently? where did I make my, you know, where are the biggest mistakes in my business? And so I think today we're going to unpack that concept a little bit and maybe share for, you know, share with some of our audience members some areas where I feel like I made my biggest mistakes so that you guys don't have to experience the same things I did um, and go through the pain that I've gone through. um, And hopefully it'll help you scale your business and leverage faster and overcome some of the uh, obstacles that I've had to sludge through.
1: (laughs) All right. Um, so before we get into that, let's talk, just give me a quick update on uh, like the workshops and, and live stream and where we're at so people kind of understand the context. This is as we record this, as we're broadcasting this, this is August of 2017. So the live stream program up and running and rolling and we're, there's some really cool announcements. I don't think that, that you're necessarily ready to make them publicly, but just so that people understand kind of where that part of the business is at.
0: Yeah, it's really interesting. So this all started organically with me going out and visiting other teams, which we'll get into here in a little bit, and learning from top teams. And then as my team grew, you know, we went from, like, zero to 400 500 deals in three or four years and a lot of people were like holy crap that's really fast growth how did they do it and they asked us if they could come visit omaha and so we were having so many people asking if they could visit that we decided we'd start charging for it so that instead of me just giving them two hours i could take off an entire day and build a whole workshop around it and so today for 29.97 we host agents from across america and brokers we're averaging about 15 to 20 guests every month we try to keep it under 20. So 10 paying clients and they all can bring a guests with them and they come out to Omaha. So like this coming Monday, September 11th, uh, we're going to be hosting a group of about 15 and we have a date set. If anyone wants to know more, Jeffsworkshop.com, you can learn more about it. Um, another cool thing we're doing, Matt, is I'm partnering with all of the agents in America that offer workshops like these because there's like two or three other really good ones there. We're actually creating a partnership where they're going to host me and I'm going to host them. So we're all trying just to build our brands and build our value together uh, so that we can give people the most content possible in the shortest amount of time and empower agents like our audience to be able to go into their own local market within their own brokerage brand and build out something similar to what we built out, or at least have the power to be able to do it. And that brings me you know, to one of my biggest pain points was right. I, didn't, I had no freaking clue when I got into it. There was no one opening up their office. And it, it comes back to that abundance mentality and being willing to be authentic and share with others. And that was the whole idea behind the workshop. So we, as you know, and some of our audience members know, we expanded last year in 2016 into three or four other markets, San Diego, Salt Lake, Boston, Lincoln, Nebraska. And then of course we had our Omaha team. And what we found was to have the greatest impact on agents across the country, it wasn't going to be through traditional expansion teams because that only impacted the lives of those five or 10 or 50 teams. We wanted to be able to have the ability to impact the lives of thousands. And so I think they say there's a little under a million licensed real estate agents in the country, and so I, I looked at one percent of that demographic. How do I influence ten thousand people? And so what we designed was a company, um, or sorry, a, a technology live stream. As you guys would know, we're live streaming right now on the Facebook. We created a, um, a, a broadcasting studio in our office, and we spent about fifty thousand dollars on four SDI cameras. We mic the whole place, twelve mics in a fifteen hundred square foot room. What we wanted to do was be able to build a network of top agents across brokerage brands that could partner with us, ultimately be an extension of our team anywhere in the country, but keep all their commission. And so all we would do is charge a fee. So right now, the product is $497 a month, and an agent can partner with us to get individual agent-specific content Wednesdays and Fridays based on what our team is training our agents. We're training everyone across the country that's part of what we're calling live, um, elite real estate systems, live stream or ERS live stream. Mm -hmm. And then we also offer high level content specific to just the team leaders on Thursdays, every Thursday. And then we also do a one-on-one success call every week with the team leader. So in all in total, it ends up being 12 hours of broadcasted content out of my office in Omaha, both specific to individual agents that might be on someone's team and the team leader, broker owner. And then they also get a success call every single week with uh, one of our success coaches. That's also our success coach. For our agents, and all of that's four ninety seven. We also negotiated with Boomtown to get a five hundred dollars off a month rate with Boomtown. <laughs> so essentially, if you're already with Boomtown, our coaching product is free. If you're not mm-hmm. with Boomtown yet and you are wanting, you know, considering joining Boomtown, our coaching product ends up being free, and you just you you get a five hundred off with Boomtown, and then pay us the four ninety seven. So we have a lot of exciting announcements that I cannot talk about today coming down the pipeline. Um, but those announcements are going to be something similar to us partnering with some really big names in the business to offer live stream at a discounted rate and then also to make it available easier for a certain demographic. So we'll get into that a little bit yeah. later, but there's a little teaser for our audience.
1: Yeah. And uh, and Thomas March says that, wow, does this include your vault? And uh, and Thomas, yes, it does. It, the vault being like the Google Drive of yeah, all so-
0: your intellectual property. Yep. If you come out to the workshop or you join live stream, either scenario, you get access to all of our intellectual property, hundreds of hours of content, literally 30 hours of video trainings that we've put in the vault, best practices, onboarding, offboarding, checklists, subcontractor agreements, listing presentation, buyer presentation, I mean, it's chocked full of the content. So for me, um, the biggest thing was when people came and visited, I wanted them to leave Omaha. And in the beginning, it was free in 2014, 2015, but they'd leave Omaha with all of the things my agents were using. And so I wanted to create a vault that so when people joined live stream or they came out to our workshop, I could send them off with everything that has empowered us to be successful in our business. The other thing we add, if you come out to a workshop, you get added to a private Facebook group. We have about 170 people in there. It's anyone that has paid us to come to a workshop. So it's high level individuals thinking big, scaling their businesses. And then also if you join live stream, there's a separate private live stream Facebook page. So everybody that's part of our live stream coaching product can interact together and network. And to me, that's one of the greatest values of being either coming to a workshop or coming on board with our live stream product is having access to all those other agents going through all the same things that you guys are going through. And I know it's really important to our success coaches when people go through challenges, instead of us just answering the questions, we'll oftentimes pair them with another agent maybe that has just overcome that same challenge. And so we'll put you in contact with the people that can answer your questions. We'll answer them as well the best we can, but sometimes Mm -hmm. it's nice to have somebody else that's going through the same thing. Yeah,
1: agree, which kind of leads us into uh, one of the mistakes we wanted to talk about today. Which was just, you know, you you went out and, and you mentioned that you started to go out and tour some of the offices of people around the country. But that wasn't where you started. You started by attempting to do that in your local market, and you got summarily bitch slapped, uh, essentially, by, by yeah. the local agents. So tell me a little bit about that. Yeah,
0: so I got licensed in 2006 um I just graduated from college I spent 2 years on a mission trip in Brazil and then 3 years I finished with got an undergrad degree in business and graduated in 06 and I got my license in November and my goal was to be you know the best individual agent that I could possibly be within 12 months I needed to provide for my family which at the time was my wife and a 1-year-old little girl and so I started consuming as much content as I could um, listening to podcasts reading books and networking with agents in my own market. And so my thought was, hey, I'm gonna reach out to the top 10 agents. Everyone's gonna be willing to have lunch with me. I'm gonna pay for lunch and I'm gonna ask them questions about how they build their business. And so I picked the top 10 people that I thought I wanted to be like when I grew up and that were having a lot of success in real estate. I would say over half told me they wouldn't meet with me. And I was Mm -hmm. a brand new agent. There was no threat. 24 year old kid, brand new on the street, who am I? And half of them didn't have time for me. And then the ones that did, didn't have a lot of advice for me. And at the time I took it as if they weren't being transparent, like they had something they were hiding. What I've discovered 10 years later is that they had nothing to offer. <laughs> <laughs> and I know that's harsh, but they were, they're were they great individual agents. The ones right. that are still living, are great individual agents. <laughs> the ones who are still living. <laughs>
1: well, now we know how Jeff built his team. He systematically eliminated the competition.
0: I knew when I was 24, <clears throat> I'd just outlive everybody because they're oh, all Oh, That's there. funny. And I'm totally teasing. <laughs> none of them have passed away. and I'm actually yeah. friends with a handful of them. But yeah. the truth was, none of them had, cont- oh, you, everyone listening to this knows what I mean, where you sit down with an agent, you say, hey, why are you successful? They say, hard work and perseverance. Or yeah, they can't really you know, pin
1: it down to anything.
0: Exactly. And so that's I felt like none of them could contextually tell me. And I I was just coming out of college. I was like, give me a list A to Z, exactly what I need to do, black and white, to be successful like you are. And a lot of them are like, uh, go golfing, join a fitness club. Uh, like They gave me all these ideas that I thought were so random. I understand now the advice they gave me. But there was no systematic approach. And that's the whole point of our workshop, Matt, is it's to take an agent that maybe has sold one house or an agent that sells 500 houses a year. And we now have a roadmap where we can say, go do ABCDEFG, and we expect you'll get the result we've gotten. And now we've proven for the people that have come out or have joined live stream, they are getting the results that we're getting. And just so the the listeners know, to date, we're at over 600 unit sales, $120 in volume, and $2.5 million in gross commission income. We expect to end the year over 800 sales, 150 million in volume and about 3.5 million making us the number one team at Berkshire Hathaway in the entire world. So we're having a lot of great results, but there's no magic pill. Like if people come out to the workshop, they're like, wow, I expected more. Like they're not disappointed but they expected there was going to be like all these secrets that have never been discussed. And like you and I've talked about, really it's just accumulation of everything that you, that's already out there spinning around. But there's so many messages from so many people. We've taken it all and packaged it together in a nice A to Z process of how somebody can scale their business to whatever level they choose to scale it to.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's hundred percent true. Yeah. And so just getting back to the the mistake. Um, so going out and, Essentially, you tried to, you started off trying to like mastermind and network with people, and you by accident chose the wrong people. But, right, um, you did get it right eventually. Now you you started going around and touring offices around the country and stuff like that. So, I mean, the, sounds like the biggest mistake on that was number one, you, you chose the wrong people locally. Uh, and they didn't have anything of value to offer, and then it took you a little bit longer than you would have liked to figure out, hey, I need to go around and just start touring offices around the country.
0: Yeah, I didn't know I could play as big as I'm playing today, Matt. I mean, when people say, "Did you ever think you'd be where you are?" No, I never ever believed I'd be where I was but today. You have, now, you, what about the power of positive thinking? Right. <laughs> so you have these moments. You have these moments as a kid, right? And. In an immature mind where you think you're going to be successful, whatever that successful picture is in your mind, maybe based on movies you've seen or people that you've associated with or people you know that are successful. I never thought I would be where I am today, but what I'm most excited about isn't necessarily the money I make, which I make great money. It's the power I have now to influence others because of a system that I've built because of mm-hmm. the, you know, what we're providing from a value standpoint, not only in my residential real estate business, but in all these other businesses that I own, that to me is the highest level of success where you can then empower others to be successful doing the exact same thing you did. And so to yeah. anyone listening, when when I talk success, obviously money is a part of it. For whatever reason in our world, money is one of the ways we kind of track if someone's successful or not. There's a lot of other ways to be successful outside of money. But for me, I needed to provide for my family. I wanted to have nice things. I wanted to pay for college education. I wanted to I, I give a lot of money charitably to my church and to other organizations. To me, that was important. But the highest level of success to me is empowering others to be able to achieve at a high level. And so I wanted to build a real estate team that was going to allow me to do it. My biggest mistake, Matt, was after not really finding the value from the agents in my own local market, I assumed the value didn't exist anywhere. So yeah. I, I decided to connect the dots of, oh, there's no value here. It doesn't exist. No one has built this thing that I, I didn't even know I wanted to build a huge team. I just knew I wanted to sell a lot of houses and generate a lot of wealth for my family. And so my mistake yeah, so was- it was I, out there. You just didn't know. You, oh, you basically stopped looking. I stopped looking. I assumed it wasn't there, right? So I went from 2007, having what I call informational interviews with top agents in my own lo- local marketplace to 2011. And so from seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, 10, 11, about five years, I was an individual full-time agent. So unlike a lot of coaches in the industry, I'd say most, I sold real estate for five years at a high level. My last year, I was doing 80 transactions by myself. I had um, one transaction coordinator, no no buyer's agents or anything. I sold real estate full time. That was my job. I made a couple hundred thousand dollars a year towards the end. And we'll talk about some more mistakes that I made. But one of my biggest mistakes was that after my first year, I made $96,000 net in 2007. I should have spent a third of that income and visited the top five teams in the country, but I Mm -hmm. didn't know they existed. And one of the dysfunctions was I was working within a local brokerage. I had no exposure to national agents. I didn't know teams existed nationally. I didn't know who to reach out to. I wasn't part of a network that plugged me in and I'm sure there was coach coaching organizations. I wasn't exposed to them. I kept my head down and I just made prospecting calls and grinded it out. Like how all the other people I met with told me to do it. Mm-hmm. But I waited too long. I went five years with that. Had I gone two years, I knew enough to lead a team after two years. In 2009, I should have launched my team, and I waited till the end of 2011. So I was mm-hmm. three years late. And obviously, I learned a lot. But I, I got to a yeah. point where I was on—I was unhappy because I was just yeah, doing that was the, the catalyst same exact thing. Yep, mm-hmm. that's what—that was the catalyst. So that can lead us to our next dysfunction, which was yeah. time. Yep. Yeah. So one of the things Matt and I talked about before we jumped on this was. I have this feeling that I put too much of my time and energy into my business. And if you read the book, Gary Keller wrote the one thing Matt and I both read it. It's a great book. If you haven't heard about it, um, he talks about how you want to. Um, oh, what's the word, Matt? You want to have the. You don't need to necessarily put the same amount of time into everything to have. Yeah, it's not well-rounded.
1: Your amounts of time, it's it's counterbalancing.
0: Yes, exactly. So, um, what that point that Gary's making is that a lot of people say to have a balanced life, you have to have the exact same amount of time in every category, which is not the case. My issue was I had all of my time and energy and focus. My entire being was being successful in my business. And I had like a really heightened level of desire because I was trying to care for this family. I was responsible for my wife was a stay at home. Mom wasn't bringing in income. And now to be honest with our, Audience, I didn't come from a a situation where if I didn't provide, we were going to be on the streets. I mean, my worst case scenario I joke about was having to live in my parents' basement. (laughs) But imagine how much your spouse would want to live in their their in-laws' basement. So that still was like a worst case for me. I'm like, I'm not living in the freaking basement. But that was like my worst case. So I don't come from a world where I'm going to be on the streets if I don't make it. But I still... I didn't want just the average on average life i wanted to live life at its fullest and have the ability to do a lot of things and so i had this heightened level of desire to be successful so i sacrificed a lot of time a lot of energy a lot of resources to be successful i'd say i worked 70 or 80 hours a week i missed a lot of things in my kids when my kids were growing up i missed time with my wife that i could have helped build our relationship i missed nights putting the kids to bed i mean there are a lot of these little things that now when i look back my kids are 12 10 8 when they were six, four, two, or when they were four, two baby, I was working. I was, my whole world was work and it wasn't really great quality time. And I was a kid. I mean, 26 year old kid, 27 year old kid. A lot of people don't get married till they're in their thirties having babies in their late thirties. And I was experiencing all that at a very young age, which was part of the heightened sense of wanting to build a successful business. Um, and it wasn't until 2011 where I was feeling the pain and really kind of having regrets that I missed out on some things that I said, you know what, I need to do this a different way. There's got to be a better way because I did not want to spend the rest of my life. January 1st, um, it was January 1st of 2011. I had just made like $300,000, but I know exactly what I had to do. And a lot of you out there, this will resonate with you. If you made 50 grand or 500 grand, you knew what you have to do. You know, now this year and next year, if you're not, if you don't have a team and you're not leveraged, you know what you have to do to do it again and it, it was like the heaviest weight I had ever felt when I woke up January 1st, 2011, I knew what I was gonna have to sacrifice. I was fine working, I'm fine giving it all to work, but I knew what I was gonna miss out on by doing that. And I thought to myself, I have to do this a different way. And that's when I decided to start researching real estate teams. And so our first step was joining a huge bo- uh, network through Boomtown. Now it could be whatever network you wanna join, we were at a local company, so there wasn't no network I could plug into nationally within my real estate brokerage. So I created a network through being part of Boomtown CRM, and I started visiting top teams within the Boomtown CRM all across the country. And some of you may have heard of like Amanda Howard, mm-hmm. Hinton, um, Hinton Dillard at the time. Hinton's now passed away. Chip Collins. I mean, the list goes on and on. I've met with um, tons of people all over the U.S. I've, I've been over to over 100 offices now um, over mm-hmm. the last five years. Yeah, but in the that time is
1: in- like 40 or 50.
0: Yep. And that initial like 18 months, it was our whole life. Like me and my, one of my direct reports, our operations manager, Kevin, who's been with me the entire, the entire time as we've built out the team, he and I just started visiting people and we would fly into like Louisville, Kentucky and visit six offices in two days. And they would just be these like super intense action packed trips. And what we learned and discovered very quickly is that the people that were performing at a really high level, and I'm not calling out people who I actually named, they weren't doing anything special. Just like I had said when you come into my workshop, what they were doing is they were being consistent. They were creating mm-hmm. leads, they were training their agents, they were being, they were hiring slow and firing fast. They were they were having team huddles, you know, they were empowering their agents with technology, like all these things that we all know. Yeah, of course, I already know that. But how many of us have a systematic approach to actually doing it? Yeah. Most of us don't. And 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 Matt, you and I interview agents, this is our livelihood now. Mm-hmm. Most agents, 99%. Have no system. If if they say to yeah. me their goal next year is to sell 200 houses, I'll say, "How are you going to do it? Grind it out. Yep. Grind it out, baby. <laughs> like, there's no plan, and that's not a business plan. And unfortunately, no, totally. that was my business plan for five years. Yeah. So that was a that was a huge dysfunction.
1: Yeah, so you been there th- before. Th- yep, yep.
0: I would say the next thing after that, um, when what one of the things I took away that I didn't fully understand when I was interviewing people in my own local market. I was expecting they were going to give me advice on how to generate leads. What everyone said to me, the number one pattern I saw in my interviews was that I should invest in residential real estate. Mm. So imagine it was 2006, 2007, right before the the fall. And these agents had seen homes double, if not triple, in Omaha, which is a very traditional 3% appreciation year. They saw homes double in 10 years. So their advice to me was, man, as soon as you can, start investing in residential real estate. I didn't want to know that. I didn't have the money. (laughs) <laughs> at the time, you know, I didn't know how to create that, that ability, but it's interesting now in retrospect, looking back at 2007, 2008, 2009, had I taken a third of my income and bought 10 houses or 15 houses, those homes today are double the value in our market. I could have bought them crazy low. And now we're in the super heightened seller's market in 2017. So it's all hindsight, but now I own a business. We've bought 30 doors this year that we're holding. We've bought 20 doors that we're flipping and I have an acquisition business that I own because I understand it now. I'm still young enough that on a 20 year note at 55 years old, all the rentals I'm acquiring today will be paid off. So at 55 with a hundred houses, you guys do the math at a thousand dollar a month cash flow, It ends up being over a million dollars a year. So yeah. um, I'm, I'm very intentional now about investing in res- residential real estate One of my mistakes was that I didn't heed that advice sooner. What I did do right was instead of investing in residential real estate, I invested in my real estate team. So a lot of my disposable income went into me building the team and failing forward all over the place. Hundreds of thousands of dollars, a failure. But if you can choose to learn from those failed lessons, that is a lesson in and of itself and worth every penny lost. So every time I spent money on a lead source and it didn't make me money.
1: Happened is you. You built a. You you spent the money. Well, spent is a bad word. You invested the money to figure out the best system to generate leads for your team. The team is now the flywheel that gives you the spins off hundreds of thousands of dollars of cash that now you put into the investing side. So you're you're you're, just you could have done it a little bit differently. You could have gotten into investing sooner. But if it took away from you figuring out the lead generation system for your team, then mm, I don't know if I'd trade that off.
0: I know. I agree. There were things I invested in though, in all fairness that didn't play. Like I've never made money in the stock market. I don't Mm -hmm. know if I've invested with the wrong people, but I continually to lose, I lose. And I always contribute. Like last year, I think I put $70,000 into my SEP IRA, 65,000, whatever the limit was. And I still haven't done great. And everyone's like, oh, the market's up right now. It's doing great. Yeah, not my stuff. Um, I invest. (laughs) I invested in like Greek shipping companies and all of that is based on like oil costs so If oil costs are high then the shipping companies make a ton of money. And I still haven't okay. made my money on that point being <laughs> invest in stuff. You understand, I own ships literally in Greece, like billion dollar ships <laughs> in Greek in Greece out tiny little percentages. Yeah. I own like yeah. three steel panels on the side yeah, exactly. Of this. <laughs> exactly. Instead of, of, instead of buying a bunk room, in uh, in a ship in Greece. I could have yeah. bought a house in my back freaking yard. And yeah. I'm a realtor. So I see the <laughs> deals. I, I mean, I've represented probably over 100 purchases with investors. I could have bought all those houses myself. <laughs> <laughs> it's un, it's insane, man, that like agents wow, would man. like why would you invest in the market, stock market or anything mm-hmm. else when if you're a residential realtor? And you're helping other investors buy these houses. Imagine if you had bought all those yourself or pooled money together with your family, what you call private money, and paid them an interest rate of 7% or 10%. As long as the house cash flows more than the rate you're paying someone else, you can borrow other people's money, and it makes it work. So Mm -hmm. you make a good point. I mean – you know, had I not reinvested in my own business, then my business wouldn't have become the spin wheel that it is. But I did invest other monies that that maybe are failed investments that yeah. I could have deployed to residential. So that was a big mistake. And I think for the audience to think cognizantly about this, how do you invest your money? And more importantly, how do you invest it into something that doesn't require you going out and doing something? So that yeah. flywheel, I still have to go in the office and flip that wheel and I do trainings and I do team meetings and I'm holding everyone accountable and I'm providing a lot of oversight as the CEO. When you buy a residential home that's managed by someone else, you never think about anything. You give them approval to fix stuff and they worry about the tenants. They pick up the money. I've been yeah. doing really well on that. And so stocks are supposed to do the same thing. If they're performing well, you sleep at night, you invest in an index fund like Tony Robbins says to do. And that thing's making you money over 30 years. It's supposed to what double or triple. I don't know. It's supposed to do really well. So like the law of tens or something, I don't know. Yeah. So, You know, I think about this a lot with agents. I'll ask a lot of really highly successful people, not only realtors, I'll get around in these social circles. And one conversation I enjoy having is how do you invest your disposable income? Nine out of 10 people I ask that question to do not have a plan to invest their disposable income. All they've done is continue to reinvest in their business. And while that's great, if that business and that flywheel is continuing to grow, what happens if that business goes away one day? What if yeah. that like the book who moved my cheese or who moved the cheese, the cheese literally moved, but all the mice kept going back to the same place thinking the cheese was going to come back. I think that we're going to see the greatest change we've ever experienced in, in society when it comes to economics over the next 10 years due to technology, drone technology, shipping companies. You know, We're going to see a lot of change, and I think lots of cheese is going to move. We need to be willing to be prepared to move with it. So what do you own, listener? What do you have that's going to generate revenue to you if your real estate business doesn't work out or whatever other business you own doesn't work out? What kind of revenue do you have coming in? That starts to be a really scary conversation. So Mm -hmm. that's always what I talk about, Matt, when I just have met somebody. That's the conversation I bring up. (laughs) Screwed. You just keep reinvesting in your business? Doom and gloom, baby.
1: Oh, my God. That's funny. Okay. Um, So let's talk about partnering with other people to run your real estate team, which is what gives you the freedom to be more focused on oversight yeah. than actually digging into the trenches every day.
0: Yep, yep. This was another dysfunction. So, Robert, or not Robert, um, the one thing was a book I read about four years ago, and a good friend of mine, Tim Heil, who's with Keller Williams, invited me to attend a conference that Gary Keller was putting on in Austin, Texas. Gary started Keller Williams, was one of the partners that started Keller Williams. And at the conference, there was only about 50 people in a room with Gary Keller all day. Two days actually, a two day conference. And one of the things I took away from that conference is he talked about, um, oh man I lost my train of thought for a sec. Oh yeah. Direct reports. So Gary talked about how many direct reports you had running your businesses. And so when you start talking about scaling and leverage, you only can manage so many people under you. And then those people have people under them and those people have people under them. And I think I remember Gary saying, Matt, I don't know if you were at the same conference or not. I don't think so. But, um, he was saying that you want to have five or less direct reports under you for each business. And so with my residential real estate team, I, I had to decide for myself, well, who would those direct reports be? Who could ultimately run the business if I wasn't there? I mean, I'm the CEO, but who could be there for me if I wanted to go off and work on the flipping business or go to Hawaii for a month or whatever? And so what I figured out was my success manager and my operations manager were both capable of running my team based on their personality traits. And so the first person that I had in that position was my ops manager. I I hired him as my marketing director. So I had a TC, transaction coordinator, and then about a year later, two years later, I hired a marketing director, which I wish I had done sooner, He then became an ops manager and he could run everything while I was away. And then we hired a success manager about two years after that, that held agents accountable. So ops ops held the admin accountable and the success manager held the agents accountable. Both could run the team without me being there. And then every, every month, every week, I'm sorry, every week we come together um, as a management team and have a meeting with just my two direct reports. And then I meet with each of them every week for one hour, answering their questions, addressing any issues that have come up over the last seven days. And so those are the two direct reports that run Omaha's elite real estate group. Well, I modeled all, I own 12 other businesses and I modeled all of them after that. And so now I don't have to be in the trenches with all these other businesses that I own. People are like, how do you run all these businesses? Well, I don't, I found yeah. other people to run all of these other businesses. I just have to make sure there's enough revenue coming into those businesses that I can hire people to run the business for. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, well, one of, in the case of your, yeah, go ahead. The biggest dysfunction was that I didn't find those people sooner. Because what those people allowed me to do, I mean, like I shared my story, got licensed in 06, was an individual for five years. In 11, I started to scale. I hired my ops manager, but I didn't really empower him to run the team for another year or two. So I went seven years addicted, attached, embedded, ingrained into the business. It could not operate without me. And as Mm -hmm. we talked about in previous um, workshops and podcasts, the more valuable you are to your organization, the less valuable the organization is. The yeah. less valuable you are to your organization, the more valuable the organization is because it can run without you, meaning you could sell it and it'll continue to run without your without you. And a lot of teams we interview and we look at, and we mentor, and we coach over 50 percent of their sales come from the team leader, mm-hmm. the rock star agent that's selling. And they say, yeah, if I wasn't selling, my business wouldn't wouldn't grow or it, would, it yeah. wouldn't have, even stay above water. Well, no yeah. offense, but that's not a business. Yeah, that's that's ridiculous. Like, if, yeah. if you, that's like a bagel it's, it's shop. It's definitely saying, a rock star business. It's a rock star business. It's like a, it's like if you own a Starbucks and you were addicted to coffee and drinking tons of coffee. Um, if you stopped buying coffee from your own shop, the coffee shop wouldn't be profitable. That's not, that's not a business. <laughs> right. Right. It's like you're buying all the coffee. From so what yourself. you're saying, Jeff,
1: is I shouldn't open a Starbucks.
0: I got you. I understand. Right, yeah, yeah. Matt, that's that was kind of my subliminal way of yeah, communicating exactly. to you to not open Starbucks. Yeah. Oh so a big, man. Uh, A biggest function was simply just not having those direct reports sooner because what happened was you know, I quit working with buyers, which this is my next dysfunction, but Mm -hmm. it empowered me to be able to move on and do other things. So as a lot Mm -hmm. of our listeners know, I was able to start a title company, an insurance company, of course, this flipping business, and I own a call center now in the Philippines. We're almost to 100 callers. And so I've been able to do a lot of these other projects that I do put time and energy into because I provide oversight and strategy calls and stuff like that. There's no way in H-E-Double that I could have ever done that had I been working with buyer's agents and running real uh, my real estate team
1: 24-7. Gotcha. Okay. So let's elaborate on, that, on the whole buyer's agent thing just a little bit more because there's a okay. lot of people that want to build teams, aspire to build teams, but they have not let go of the buyers yet or they are their entire team depends on somebody who themselves has not let go of the buyers. In this case, like they, let's say they have a partner agent who's the rainmaker in the team Mm -hmm. and they're doing the majority of the sales and a good chunk of that is coming from buyers, which is kind of holding everything back. Right? So, so what you're saying that was your mistake was what?
0: So my mindset was that every opportunity that came through $50,000 buyer, $500,000 buyer, million dollar seller, any opportunity that was attached to a commission check I needed to be the person to work that deal because I was gonna be better than anyone else. I was gonna convert it faster than anybody else. And then most importantly, I was gonna get to keep all the commission. So I didn't know what would happen if I took that lead and handed it to somebody else and it didn't go together. All that commission's lost. Or let's say it did go together and I now have to split the commission with someone. If I was used to making 200 grand a year and I'm gonna give all those leads now to someone else and split the commission, now I'm only gonna make half. I'm only gonna make a hundred thousand dollars And my business can't run without that revenue coming in. What I didn't understand was there was a third scenario. And the third scenario at the time when I stopped working with buyers was what if I quit working with buyers and I redeploy all of that time and energy to sellers? If you look at both of those relationships, a buyer typically I've tracked takes about 20 hours of my time very beginning of prospecting getting the lead working the lead signing exclusive agency contracts negotiating a contract negotiating the home inspection closing 20 hours my listings were taking me less than 10 hours from listing pres to getting an under contract to it closing so i was like okay not only does the listing take me half the time in omaha we split listing commission 60 40 where the selling agent keeps 60 percent and the buyer's agent keeps 40. So I make more money on the listing. I made 3.6% was my average commission on a listing on the buy side. It was only 2.4%. So I make more money in half the time. So what if in 2011, when we launched our team, I said to myself, what if all the people I hired, I only let them work buyers and I was the only one that could work sellers and every buyer lead I gave them, they owe me 50% and every seller lead they gave me, I pay them 50% because even if I give them 50%, I'm still working half the time it net nets and I make more because it's a listing there's more commission on a listing. So net net, I'll make more working with their sellers and them working with my buyers. And so that's what I did. So in 2011, 2012, 2013, I just worked sellers and I let all the agents on my team work focus on buyers and they could not list. And I, I found in 2013, 2014, I started to believe again in this mentality of, okay, well, what if I didn't work sellers at all? What if I turn the sellers over to the agents, let them work both sides. And I focused on other businesses. I focused on lead gen. I focused on accountability. I focused on workshops. I focused on all these other businesses. Could I make more money? And that was actually the biggest risk I ever took. Cause I was at the time I was making about $550,000 a year net. Um, about 330 of it was my listings and about 200 was my real estate team. And so when I made the change, I thought, okay, in 2014, if I don't work sellers or buyers altogether, I, get out of the selling side. And I just focus on building out my business entities. Can I net 550 again? And I took a $75,000 hit. I made about $475,000 when I quit selling, which to me was a huge win to never have to work with a client, exit the real estate business, and still make 475. But what was fascinating to me is what happened to the next year. I netted over a million dollars for the first time in 2015. So I doubled in twelve months because instead of deploying my time into listing lead generation and facilitating the process of selling a listing, I dedicated my time into helping other people do that it's very same thing. Help them dedicate their time into listing houses, dedicate their time into working with buyers, dedicate their time into prospecting. I held them accountable, and I built the wheel that accomplished that. And I was able to go over a million dollars, and now I've continued to grow ever since then. I've never made less money the year before. I've never made less money than the year before, and so. I continue to scale my business today. And I look back 10 years later and I think to myself, well, what, what would have happened if I never worked a buyer? I mean, obviously I would have lost the experience. So what would have happened if after my first hundred buyers, I quit working? I mean, what would have happened if I stopped working sellers quicker and I added agents quicker? And I I think that everyone should sell. You should sell at least a hundred houses before you think you're going to lead other people. But I sold probably four or 500 houses. And I think that I did too many deals i didn't need to do that many deals i probably waited two or three years too long to choose to scale my business out and so a lot of people will ask well jeff when's the right time to quit working with buyers i say today when's the right time to quit working sellers you quit working sellers when the agents on the team you own are generating enough money to cover all of your expenses your personal expenses so if you need 150 grand to pay your house payment and your car and your trips and your lifestyle Once your team is generating you that revenue, you can quit selling altogether. You can live off their revenue. But if you redeploy your time to building value for them and helping them be more successful and doing the top three things that help teams grow, which is recruiting, retaining through offering value and finding more ways to offer value and training agents to be successful, if that becomes your life, your team like mine can double overnight. We literally, in the last 12 months, doubled again. So we started this year with 22 agents. We're at 50 agents today. And next year, my goal is to double again. I want to end 2018 with 100 agents. And we're going to do that because that's what I've intentionally made my goal to be. So instead of worrying about selling houses, which is on a lot of real estate agents' minds, I worry about recruiting agents. I worry about training agents. I worry about creating value through offering Boomtown and Vulcan 7 and Mojo Dialer and a podcast and live stream training so my agents can watch all of my team's trainings from anywhere in the world. That's my focus. And when people talk about sales, I'm like, oh yeah, we sold, we're gonna sell 800 houses this year. That's pretty cool. But that just became the result of my passion. My passion isn't selling real estate. There's no fun in selling. I've done that a lot of times. That's not fun. (laughs) (laughs) That's like really boring, to be honest. My passion isn't that, and that's no agent's passion. True agents don't love showing houses and selling houses. That's not our passion. Our passion is providing the customer service solution to taking people through the buying and selling process. But more importantly to me, it's serving my agents to help them be successful at serving their clients and empowering them to build teams within my team so that they don't have to sell if they don't want to. So that's been my war cry is teaching people on my team. I say leaders serve their followers. And to me, the best leaders give all their followers the ability to be just like them. And if you want to help agents be just like you and you've exited the day-to-day sales, which is a very, very small percentage of agents in the country, Mm -hmm. If you've exited the day-to-day sales and you realize the lifestyle you can live once you've done that and done that by generating profit, to be able to empower my agent to do the same, to me has brought me the most happiness I could ever, ever dream of. Because I told you, I shared with our audience and you, Matt, that I'm in a place today that I never dreamed of being. I now want to help other people get to that level, whatever level that is for them, and hear them say the sentence, Jeff... I never dreamed of being at this level before. I'm so grateful and fortunate to be a part of this process and this network. Thank you for this opportunity. Those are the words that I'm looking for from the people that I lead, not only on my team in Omaha, but agents across the entire country. Yeah, Love it. All right. So we've got, let's call it three minutes. So
1: flash forward with me. Okay. You and I are having this same conversation on a podcast five years from now. Now, granted, it's in virtual reality, and both of us are much better looking.
0: <laughs> How could that so, ever be?
1: Yeah. Uh, so five years from now, you're looking back, going, "Okay, here was the mistake I made in 2017, 2018." What do you think is what would you? What do you think you would say five years from now?
0: Wow, you got me on this one. This will be a good one. <laughs> Because honestly, anyone in my position is constantly thinking about where are they making their mistakes, where is their misstep. Mm-hmm. I can share with you some of the areas where I think there might be mistakes, and I'm paying attention. Okay. One is, am I am I continuing to offer the right value to my agents? So I bragged about how we allow we give empower them to build teams. And five years from now, do all of those teams leave my team because right. I'm not giving them <laughs> right. enough value? So in hindsight, in five years, they'll say, well. Helping them build teams was a mistake. (laughs) The the true mistake I know wasn't helping them build teams because I have that belief in me that leaders serve followers and give them the ability to be just like them. Extreme extreme ownership would say my mistake was I didn't give them enough value to stay with me. Anytime an agent leaves you, anytime a spouse leaves you, this is going to get real. Anytime you lose a relationship with your kids, with your friends, anytime something leaves your life, it's because you aren't offering value to that relationship. When an agent doesn't show up at my dialogue training, it's 100% my fault that when they went to the last one, they didn't get value out of it. So even this podcast today, I think this might've been someone's first time watching. I have to bring everything I have to offer to the world right now in this moment, because someone will never come back if they come to this today and say, Oh, Matt and Jeff are slum, You know, they're slackers. They suck. They're full of crap. They're too egotistical, whatever their judgment is on us. And so I am very cognizant to be present in every moment. So um, One thing would be, with, what's the landscape of my team look like? Am I moving the right direction to keep up with ha- what the market demands are from our client perspective? Also, with the coaching organization that I'm now a part of, am I scaling that fast enough? Am I offering the right value? Um, are the trainings high enough value that people are going to want to stay on board with live stream? Is it, am I offering enough content? And those are kind of the things. So it's an it's interesting question that you ask, and I liked answering it publicly and being transparent about it. I think it all is coming back to that V word value is there enough value in the different businesses that we, that I own that people are going to continue using the services that we're providing? And is it helping create a a greater impact on their lives? And that's what I'm going to continue to to look at. That's what we're going to be tracking statistically. And that's what I'll look at in five years from now, how many businesses and teams have been positively influenced from the content that they've derived from us. And maybe they don't stay on with us forever, but if they were a client of ours for 12 months, and they leave and triple their, their, their team size over two or three years. I'm going to take some of the credit for that journey. Obviously they were the ones that chose to do it, but our knowledge had a positive impact on them. So,
1: right. Draw some, some satisfaction from that. Yep. Yeah, I get that. Okay. All right. So let's, uh, let's finish with this. Um, So we talked a little bit about all the stuff that you have going on, you know, with Elite Real Estate Systems at the top of the show. So we don't want to recap that, but go to EliteRealEstateSystems.com just just to get kind of the overview of everything, and you can find out, you know, different links from there. If you want to go direct to the workshop page, it's JeffsWorkshop.com. Uh, and that's how you kind of keep up on the uh, the latest dates and all the information on there. And there's an overview video. So if you're curious about how that works, you can do that. So, yeah, this has been awesome. So I think we covered everything. The one thing that we didn't get a chance to get super deep into that maybe we'll cover and, and dedicate a whole other episode towards it is the uh, the time, you know, and counterbalancing and, yeah, putting the time into the right place. And, and just how, how much do you really need to put in the business? to get to push the rock up the hill uh, because that's a really interesting conversation because there's there there is a balance between yes you need to work hard enough at the right things and most agents when they do work hard they work hard on the wrong things they work hard on the easy things the paperwork the operations the customer service and they don't they don't focus on the hard stuff but i do think you're right if you if you really are good at following the one thing And you're really good at putting the right amount of time and effort into the one thing that pulls everything else forward. I think you can have a much more balanced life while you build a business.
0: I absolutely think you're correct on that. And I think about the other areas of my life where I have struggled. You know, I've always had I've struggled with my my body. I haven't put enough time and energy in my mind towards my physical body, and there's a lot of examples like that with your personal relationships, with your spiritual well-being. I mean, there's a lot of different areas you can think about, but don't think you need to spend as much time on those things as maybe you spend on your business to make them successful. For those that haven't read the one thing, just spend enough time to be successful at it. And it comes back to Tim Ferriss's Four Hour Work Week, where he talks about how oftentimes 20% of people's output gets them 80% of the return. So if you look at a real tourist time, it's 20% of the activities that they do are that are actually driving income to them. Yeah. And so be yeah. cognizant in your other areas of your life. What is actually giving you the result and be realistic and honest with yourself as you analyze, as you self-actualize. And I think the biggest mistake people make is that they're not honest with themselves. Maybe they don't even have the ability to self-actualize when it comes to how they're treating their relationships or how they're treating their bodies or their spirituality or their spiritual well-being or their businesses. And when you talk to an agent that doesn't have a business plan, but says they want to sell 200 houses, they're being mentally weak. And someone needs to challenge them and say, you are choosing to not scale your business by not creating a business plan. And that's what I want to share with anyone listening today. The result that you are expecting needs to have an inspection element. And if you can't inspect, a day-to-day, weekly goal, monthly goal, and you don't have an action plan set, you will not obtain the result. And if you do, it's just luck, it's stupid luck. It wasn't an intentional act that got you a result. And what's beautiful is once you have that clarity moment where they call in sports flow, once you have clarity to know that by doing ABC, you will get to Z, you can scale. And that's what we've done with our real estate team. And that's what we're trying to help teach other teams all across the country is to be able to know exactly the ones and zeros that need to take place to get a certain result. And once you do that, the sky's the limit. So I yeah, hope I'm everyone sure. continues to be with us. Thank you guys for checking out this this podcast. This was a unique one. Not very many people get on and talk about their failures Um, That was very fun. So I appreciate you guys letting me kind of spew some of my feelings and emotions about what I've been through over the last 10 years. And if anyone has questions or wants to reach out to me, feel free to Facebook message me. Um, I'm just Jeff Cohn on Facebook, J-E-F-F-C-O-H-N. Would love to host you at a workshop, but it won't disappoint. We do a hundred percent money back guarantee. No one has ever asked for their money back. So come hang out with us in Omaha. It starts getting cold like November, December. So if you're going to do it, do it like October november i'll try to Mm -hmm. dance for some nice weather in november and then um, live streams pretty amazing if you go to erslivestream.com check it out 497 a month right now that gives you up to 30 seats so if you were a team of 30 you can have everyone has a seat Um, we're actually in conversation right now, moving that to 10 seats for the 497. So if you sign up right now, you're still going to get 30 seats, grandfathered in, and that's a one year contract with us, which gives you all sorts of other stuff that we didn't even get into today. So go check it out on the website, learn a little bit more about it at erslivestream.com Matt. Like always, it's a pleasure, brother. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, this is a lot of fun. A very special episode of the Team Building. Very podcast. Nice, special. Intimate. <laughs> intimate episode. Jeff Cone exposed. Right. That's enough of that. All right, guys, we are
1: out of time. Thank you so much, and we will see you on the next episode. <laughs> <laughs>